Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 596. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, Agent of Spring. It's spring. That is something. Yep. We took Catherine to the Bronx Zoo this past weekend. Half the time she's like, can I pick those yellow flowers? Can I pick those yellow flowers? Can I pick those yellow flowers? And there's flowers all around, but they're like, I'm like, baby, they've planted those flowers to look pretty for people over the next couple of months. We can't just take their flowers. And she was like, but I want them. Oh, we went to a maple festival this weekend. That's how mm-hmm. I know it's spring in the Hudson Valley. And also, apparently, they'll just give you little cups full of maple syrup, and you just drink all the maple syrups, and then you say which ones you like. Interesting. So you're just doing maple syrup shots. Yeah. Let me tell you, was amped, would do again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. That that does sound pretty good. Our, my favorite ice cream place is opening up um, tomorrow, Bellevale Creamery in the Hudson Valley, mm. the best Ice cream, period. Everyone else can go burn their ice creams. Ooh, we went to Longford's Ice Cream in Rye, New York, this weekend, and they gave our dog Kaiju a pup cup, and it was so cute, and it was so nice, and Kaiju was so happy. What what a happy boy. And then he had a little whipped cream beard. (laughs) Mm, Very, very cute. But look, we're not here to talk about lactic treats. Is that right? Lactose (laughs) treats? Sure. Mi- oh my God. Mi- milky treats. <laughs> yeah, no one can stop us. But really, we shouldn't because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about. And there's lots to be excited about. Um, Ryan, you got to speak with somebody cool this week about the Women of Marvel one shot. Yeah, we talked to writer Charlie Jane Anders about creating the new character Escapade and all of her other incredible work. Sheila Sexton is a con artist and a thief uh, who uses like wacky gadgets to kind of steal from rich people and just anybody she feels deserves to be, to be robbed. And she teams up with her best friend, Morgan Red, who is, you know, a very, very dapper, non-binary trans mask who has a pet flying turtle named Hibbert. All right, don't miss that chat later on in the show. Uh, It's still Women's History Month. Women, we're still having history. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, there will be some women at C2E2, the uh, convention in Chicago this weekend. (laughs) Look, this is what you led me into. I'm like, oh, I'm going to find my way out of this one. And I did. that there's some women. (laughs) I really hope because the alternative is a bad scene. Uh, Look, C2E2, great show. I am sad to not be there, but Marvel will have some panels. There's Marvel Comics, Spider-Man, and the Venomverse happening on Saturday, April 1st, where you'll have Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sobolski with Venom Editor Supreme, Devin Lewis. I actually, so um, I was just about to slack Devin because I read next week's issue, Venom, and... Uh, it was a total Devin moment. I love Devin. He's very funny, very silly. Uh, the to be continued was to be punch tenued. And it was just punch like tenued. to be punch tenued is my new favorite thing. I love Devin so much. So there's great. There's going to be a whole bunch of other creators there, including Zeb Wills and more talking about all kinds of stuff happening in the Spidey books, the Venom books, and so much more. Get excited because there will be announcements and reveals coming out of that panel, as well as um, there's another panel at the convention. Yeah. Also an exclusive giveaway for that panel. So get your butt Ooh. there. Um, Also on Saturday, April 1st, no April Fool's Day here, at 2 p.m., you got to go check out Breaking Into Comics the Marvel Way. Um, You can, again, catch up with our pals CB and Devin, as well as some other wonderful creators talking about how to get your start in comics, if that's your interest. And these are also just, I I think, for anyone who loves comic books and storytelling, these are always really super duper interesting. So go and check it out. And we'll follow up next week with anything that we can talk about out of the con. So hold on to your hats. Get a hat. Hold on. You know, if you can't make it to Chicago, maybe you can make it to MegaCon in Orlando because at the same time, this weekend is also MegaCon and they have some panels. I know there's going to be some Marvel folks there. Senior editor Jordan D. White 
Marvel's, I don't want to call him head of talent, one of my best friends, Ricky Purden, they're going to be there for the Breaking Into Comics, the Marvel Way panel, joined by artists and uh, creators Joshua Kassara and Ryan Stegman. Both of them are sweet, sweet boys. I guess all four of them are sweet, sweet boys. Fine. But that's a really good one. Then there's going to be the Marvel Comics Fall of X panel that's happening. These are both happening on Saturday, April 1st. So if you're listening to this on Friday and you're going to Megacon, get excited. Go see these. That's also going to have um, Jordan D. White on there, Joshua Kassara. Then they're going to be joined by writers Benjamin Percy and Jerry Duggan. That's that's a good-ass panel. I'm telling that you that That is a right good-ass panel. A good-ass panel. Um, I would expect there will be some fun stuff coming out of that. And like Lorraine said, we will provide any details, information, and announcements next week. So many cons. I guess we're getting into con season. Yeah. I mean, here we go. We're getting into it. Uh, before you know it, we're going to be San Diegoing. A blink of an eye. Moving on, we got more great stuff for the comic world. First and foremost, gods. This week, we got our first big details and a trailer looking at the new upcoming series by Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Skeety. Two powerhouses with gods, plural. Uh, let's take a listen to that trailer right now. Are you good, Stephen Strange? I fight for the light. That is who I am. Sure, sounds nice, but you didn't really answer the question, did you? I am good. And you win? Are you good, or are you evil? Steven, my boy, who can tell the difference anymore? Alright, let's dive into a little flavor text about gods and what is coming from Jonathan Hickman's mastermind. Uh, so let's get into it. Meet Wynn, a mysterious player in a war that exists outside of the orders we know and a vital member of an eons-old hierarchy that includes the omnipotent rulers of the universe such as Eternity, Infinity, and the Living Tribunal. After a fateful meeting between Wynn and Doctor Strange hints at something even bigger than the forces of good and evil, a breathtaking epic at the crossroads of science and magic will be Again, one that will shatter our understanding and open our eyes to ideas beyond all that we perceive. Um, super excited for this. Sounds like really cool and cosmic. But of course, if you know Jonathan Hickman's work, you know that man's mind works like no one else's. It is meticulous. It is interesting. It is out there. I cannot wait for this book when it comes. So stay tuned. Yeah. Fall 2023 and ongoing. Those are two cool pieces of information that uh, everybody should like really get excited about because it's coming soon and it's going to be yeah. a lot. And also, um, you could be amongst the first to dive into the new series on May 6th with a special preview on free comic book day in Avengers slash X-Men number one. Um, so in coming months, stay tuned for more about gods and maybe some additional reveals covers and that kind of good stuff we'll have more for you uh here on this week in marvel and of course check out more on marvel.com well that's all very exciting very cool very big upcoming a little bit of sadness in the fact that we have to say the final issue of kelly thompson's historic run of captain marvel is coming this june with captain marvel number 50 i love 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 kelly's captain marvel it is so good this issue is going to have art by javier pina and David Lopez, David, one of my favorites of all time. Sweet, sweet boy. And also had a great run on Captain Marvel with uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick several years ago. Mm, but yeah. this is an oversized issue wrapping up Kelly's extraordinary run. She's got tons of threads with, you know, romantic threads, but action threads, building up her rogues gallery, building up her supporting cast, giving like new sort of family to her in, mm. in a lot of in multiple different ways. It's been spectacular. 50 issues of really, really great comics. So we're going to celebrate it with a heck of a number 50 in June. Heck yeah. Don't worry. We're going to have more cool stuff with Kelly Thompson in the coming future. Speaking of more great stuff ahead, the Summer of Symbiotes is nice. Summer of Symbiotes. So many symbiotes to celebrate Venom's 35th anniversary. Ryan, mm -hmm. what's the haps? Yeah, so we've been talking about some of this lately, but of course we've got the main Venom series written by Al Ewing, art by Cafu and others. And I was just mentioning, I was reading next week's issue 
is so good. And it's got like ties to Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run, Secret Wars. It's got ties to Al Ewing's other book, Avengers Beyond. It's got ties to the Venomverse and all kinds. It's just like big and expansive and cool. And it looks freaking gorgeous. So you got Venom, which is really kicking into high gear this summer. Then we've got Extreme Venomverse, which is kind of in the same spirit of Edge of Spider-Verse, the sort of anthology series that we did. So it's a new series with brand new stories by all-star creators. It's going to include the debuts of a symbiote hosting Felicia Hardy, a Venom Samurai, a Venom Space Knight, and more. So that one's really cool. And then like a companion almost is the Edge of Venomverse Infinity comic. So we're also getting these symbiote stories on Marvel Unlimited. That one is actually, you will get a little bit more info this weekend at the Spidey and Venomverse panel at C2E2. So stay tuned for that. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, we have a Red Goblin series, which is a, a a new goblin in an ongoing series by writer Alex Pacnadel and the Marvel Stormbreaker, Jan Basildua. And it's about Normie Osborn, who's received his own symbiote and embraces his grandfather Norman's legacy by becoming the Red Goblin. Um, but it gets nasty and wild and the the symbiote is actually kind of cute and it's um it's sweet in its own way but not sweet carnage that ding dong that idiot i hate him <laughs> cletus cassidy is back in also writer alex pacnadel's series with art by francesco mana it's an ongoing series it's very bloody it's very gross it's, it's very, very nasty. carnage the very carnage, carnage is real uh, that leads into Carnage Reigns, which is the big brutal crossover between Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Carnage, and Red Goblin, which is basically Miles versus Carnage in a big, big one. The idea is that his soul is trapped within the Extremebiote armor created by Tony Stark during King of Black. So Cletus Cassidy has basically the power to just destroy New York City, but he needs like fuel for it. So he's just going on a rampage. So it's basically just super duper uber-powered carnage wrecking havoc on New York City and Miles is in his way. So there's that going on. Then there's a, a new series called Cult of Carnage Misery from writer Sabir Perzada with art by uh, Francesco Mortarino starring Liz Allen as the new Misery. Um, and it's a limited series that kicks off when the Life Foundation symbiotes Toxin and a couple of the others are mysteriously stolen. So we're figuring out what's going on with that. And then it's all, all of this, all of this Mishigas is leading to Death of the Venomverse. It's a big, big, explosive series story thing that's um, basically going to have all your favorite symbiotes and maybe they won't all survive. Uh, the Carnage symbiote is even more bloodthirsty than ever and heads to the multiverse for the biggest killing spree yet. So what is it after? What's going on? That's an upcoming limited series and will be further uh, announced again at that Spidey and the Venomverse panel at C2E2. So get excited for all that if you like your symbiotes. Ooh, yeah. You know what? I like symbiotes, but you know what I like more? An mm. X-Men pool party pinup. <laughs> There's a, a great image. It's an homage to the iconic X-Men pool party pinup by Jim Lee from the X-Men number one in 1991, which let me tell you, was an era for swimsuits. Uh, and with that in mind, the Marvel.com team is really doing the Lord's work over here. Mm -hmm. And they put up the history of the Marvel swimsuit specials. Those special magazine size releases of the early 90s, they started with the X-Men pinup. They are some of the greatest things. One of my favorite things ever that Ryan and I have done together was just to look back at some of the X-Men and just the Marvel swimsuit specials in general on our old show, Thwip. But, you know, in each one of these swimsuit specials, there was also like a really unique premise that explained why the Marvel superheroes were lounging around in their French cut bikini briefs. <laughs> and, um, and the 1991 Marvel Illustrated swimsuit issue, uh, it brought heroes together in the Savage Land for an athletic competition hosted by Stark Enterprises. Um, and that issue also featured swimsuit designs by Janet Van Dyne, who, of course, we know is a fashion designer in the Marvel Universe, a.k.a. the Wasp. And uh, a while later, the specials focused around some almost exclusively on art, the inaugural special 
parodied the popular publications of the era with like magazine style articles and uh, interview spotlights, you know, uh, like a sport if it were to be illustrated, sort of, (laughs) you might say. Um, uh, And then there was another one in 1992. Um, I believe that's the one that is told through the voice of Puck. Like Puck is kind of like weirdly the central figure within the magazine. I believe that also includes a nude of Ghostwriter in nothing. I was going to say in nothing but the flesh, but it's not flesh. It's just fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a burning skeleton. It is one of my favorite things of all time. Anyways, don't take my word for it. Go read the full article on the, the swimsuit specials. Look at the pictures. They are delight. If you ever come across one, buy it for me. I'll pay you back. I have two of the five, I think, if not three of the five that I had from when I was a child. And I mean, they were very formative for me. I, they were great. That Punisher one is oh. so much. It is delightful. Just yes. you guys can Google it for yourselves. If you are over the age of, I would say, 18, <laughs> Google Punisher swimsuit, Marvel swimsuit. I was 10 issue. years old and I have no regrets for what it did to me. <laughs> All of it. Uh, it is wonderful. Hopefully y'all can check those out. All right, let's keep it going because we w- I wanted to talk about some variants this week. We've got some information on a bunch of new variants. There's a whole bunch of George Perez variants coming this year, um, you know, because last year, of course, comics lost one of its most incredible storytellers, artist George Perez. He did stuff for us, including Avengers, Fantastic Four, Infinity Gauntlet, and so much more. So we have a whole line of variant covers. Of course, we're working with George Perez's estate, and we've got some rare drawings from George's archives, which is exceptionally cool. So starting in June, these pieces will be restored. They're colored, showcased on the covers of a bunch of various Marvel releases. And they'll be regular variant covers, but also as virgin variants. So there's no trade dress, no words, no anything else on that front cover. So you can just enjoy the art as it is, which is always one of my favorite things. We have five of the covers that we put up on Marvel.com, including some non-final sketches. So throughout the year, we'll be sharing more, but these will be on books like Fantastic Four, Avengers, Scarlet Witch Annual, Incredible Hulk, and more again starting in june very cool and while we're talking variant covers alex ross is going to be having some incredible variant covers Um, we've gotten to see a little bit of these thus far but of course we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of both the avengers and the x-men and there are new connecting variant covers that are going to run across some various titles that's starting in august with uncanny avengers number one and of course alex ross killing the game, just one of the all-time greats. We've already seen two of those stunning covers for Avengers and X-Men titles that are going throughout 2023. There's going to be more to that in this connecting cover. Also, from A-listers to fan favorites, Ross's Avengers 60th Anniversary connecting cover spotlights all the iconic characters that have starred in the 60-year history of those adventures. So that is super duper cool. All Avengers ever Let's go. Yeah, I think we revealed the connecting cover, which covers the first almost 30 years of Avengers. It's interesting because there's a lot of characters who've been Avengers. Yeah. So you put up one. So it's, it's I think it goes through like 1989. So I imagine there'll be even more that he does for the Avengers ones. Heck yeah. And then also paying homage to Jim Lee's legendary 1991 X-Men number one cover. Ross is going to be putting together the X-Men 60th anniversary connecting cover. Uh, which, of course, is also going to be a mutant masterpiece. And that is going to put together a bunch of iconic 90s moments. So get ready for it. I can't wait. The neat thing about that one, Lorraine, is that, of course, for X-Men number one, we had five variants, right? You had five different covers, and there, there were four covers, and then the fifth one was the gatefold of all of them together. Alex took that initial gatefold cover that Jim Lee did, But he did his version like a moment later. And it's really fascinating. The quote that goes along with the reveal of the art is like Wolverine is just a little bit further along in his swipe. He's at Storm has added her like lightning bolt to like she's she's shooting more lightning. It's not exactly a one to one homage of what Jim did. It's taking it just like a little bit further and adds a little bit more thought to it. I Dude's one of the goats. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, his work is so beautiful. Definitely go and check him out over on Marvel.com. And of course, stay tuned for more um, and go pick yours up in August. 
Yeah. We got to remind y'all, you need Marvel Unlimited because new to Marvel's Infinity Comics, which are only on Marvel Unlimited, you can read Marvel, Meow, and Pizza Dog. The first issue is up right now. It's new to the app. It is uh, a story which follows Kate Bishop and Lucky the Pizza Dog on their adventures in Cat Sitting across a four-issue series from writer-artist Jason Lowe. Jason is wonderful. It's going to be super cute and super fun. Of course, if you've not tried Marvel Unlimited yet, what are you doing? It's your all-access pass to over 30,000 Marvel comics at your fingertips. Head over to marvel.com slash unlimited. All right. Also coming out in a few weeks here, we got Sins of Sinister. It's coming to its conclusion uh, with Sins of Sinister Dominion, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Lucas Warnock and Paco Medina. Uh, beautiful cover by Linnell Yu. And that is going to be on sale April 26th, tying up this big arc in a big, beautiful bow. We're going to have a thousand years have passed since Mr. Sinister launched the plan that would transform the universe in his image. Obviously, this guy like loves to mutate, you know, like you do. So now seven trillion deadly sins later, he's more than ready to bring his botched experiment to a close. But first, he'll have to find the Moira engine, which would bring mutant kind back before the point where this all went wrong. So Definitely go check it out. It's going to be a big wrap up. If you haven't gotten a chance to read Sins of Sinister, this is a great time to start. Pick up all the issues and wrap it up on April 26th. Go put it on your pull list. Uh, All right, let's get into the podcast of it all with Marvel's Voices, because this week on Marvel's Voices, Angelique is talking to creators from the upcoming Marvel's Voices Spider-Verse anthology, including Jason Lowe who we talked about earlier, and Jeremy Holt. Jason talks about creating a brand new Spidey character called Spider-Friend, which is so good. It's Everybody's got to hear more about it. When I'm writing, I would have to like give some great examples of, okay, this is what I want the character to look like in terms of facial expressions. Like this is their Oscar moment <laughs> where they're like, they're giving like a, a very tremendous dramatic scene and it has to be in a particular way with like the the right curl of of their lips and and i think i've I've had like notes from the editors like could you like just tone down like the writing a bit like no this is their 15 minutes they get everything (laughs) like their hair has to look a certain way like they're the bangs because you know they're stressed you know they didn't have time to comb their hair back in this moment you know (laughs) Episodes roll out every Thursday. Listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. Yeah, speaking of getting your pods, Ryan, what's mm-hmm. going on on your pod? Yeah, over on Marvel's Pull List, which we talk about every new comic every single week. We've got picks for you this week, including Clobber in Time, number one, Deadpool, number five, Invincible Iron Man, number four, and special bonus fourth pick for It's Jeff, number one because we made a print version it's got some new stories in it and it's just it whether you read it on the app or in print it remains incredible so good and then for this week's reading club we had on uh uh, this week in marvel guest that we had recently chris vasquez from the washington post he's on the tiktok team and he joined us to get hyped about new mutants labors of magic which is a story from just last year which was really freaking good i loved it even more in the second reread um, the reason why I imprinted on this story particularly and why I've begun imprinting so much on magic in particular is, you know, because I think I relate to a lot of the same themes of, you know, having your childhood stolen from you and, you know, using that both as a source of empowerment but wishing that it didn't happen. I'm approaching this from the lens of growing up gay in an environment that was really not accepting, which is not necessarily the same thing that happened to magic, but, you know, there is overlap there. And so. You know, I've just been thinking about this story a lot. It's become my favorite comic book story arc of all time, I think. And, you know, I talk about it a lot with my friends, with my boyfriend, um, unsolicited, and none of them have read it. So I'm very excited to talk about it today with people (laughs) who actually know what I'm talking about and also have thoughts on it. Check it out. Marvel's Pool List. New episodes are out every Tuesday. Listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There you have it. All right, coming up, we've got our chat with writer Charlie Jane Anders. Yeah, we'll be right back. You're listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm still Lorraine Sink. And I believe I'm still Ryan Panagos. 
Excellent. Yeah, we are back. This is This Week in Marvel. And now it's time for our interview because I spoke with award-winning writer Charlie Jane Anders about her introduction into the new Women of Marvel one-shot, which is really good. Uh, we talked about creating her new mutant superhero escapade and her work on New Mutants Lethal Legion. Let's check it out. I am so delighted to be joined this week by our guest, Charlie Jane Anders. Hello, Charlie. Hi, it's so lovely to be here. It's always it's always great to get a chance to talk to you, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, very exciting. We had you on Marvel's pull list previously, um, but now we got you on TWIM, um, which is going to be fun because you got more stuff going on nowadays um on, i know in, in every busy. realm we'll be able to to plug some of the books and other things but the comic stuff and and particularly with women of marvel coming on but before we get into any of that gotta start it off the way we like to here by asking what is your marvel origin story how'd you first become a marvel fan or first encounter the marvel characters man i guess i would have to say like the first, I mean, when I was a kid, I read the occasional Marvel comic, of course, like everybody, like I would, I, you know, I was into Spider-Man, I was into all the Marvel characters, but I feel like I became a fan, you know, when I was, I don't know, I was probably actually in college already. I was like either end of high school, beginning of college. And a friend of mine introduced me to kind of Peter David's run on the Hulk with, you know, the gray Hulk and like the smart Hulk and like just everything. I'd always loved the Hulk as a character, but I felt like Peter David was just taking him to a whole new level in terms of like exploring, you know, his different personalities, exploring the trauma that made him the Hulk, which I later went back and read all the Bill Mantlow issues. So I know that that the, the trauma thing comes from Bill Mantlow originally, but I felt like, you know, Peter David was just putting so much humor and weirdness and just feels into like his run on the Hulk. And like, Usually a romance in these comics is kind of just there, but I really rooted for Bruce and Betty to figure their stuff out and get together. And like, I was just, I was totally hooked. I now have like a whole shelf of Peter David's Hulk stuff, but also that I branched out and, you know, started just like haunting the, the, the quarter bins or in some cases the dime bins at some local comic book stores and just like started just getting whole runs of things whenever I could find them. I wrote a thing that I think just came out on the Marvel blog. I wrote a, a paragraph for a thing they were doing about female characters and female uh, creators that were important to me starting out. And one of the first comics I got from those quarter bins was definitely the full run of Dakota North by Martha Thomases yeah. and like Tony Salmon. And those are just, I love those. They're so weird. They're very cartoony, but noir. And like, they're just, they have this like really unique style to them. Yeah. Ah, oh, Dakota North. So cool. You know, speaking of your contemporaries and you're now writing for Marvel, your first Marvel story, you know, is now what, like four years ago was uh, the oh She-Hulk feature. I know. I yeah. Know. It's crazy. That was, uh, gosh. Yeah. That was during War of the Realms. That was the treat. And like, I was, you know, pleasantly surprised by the Punisher fans. I got to say like, you know, cause the Punisher is in that story. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm just going to like make it canon in the Marvel universe that the, the Punisher loves Joni Mitchell. And I'm just going to like have the Punisher <laughs> quote Joni Mitchell. And like, I expected the Punisher fans to come after me or whatever, because like he should be listening to nothing but Iron Maiden or I don't even know. And like the response I got from all the Punisher fans who saw it, like I saw people tweeting about it. They were like, Oh, this is so cool. This is like, we like when Frank has more layers. I think that story is in a Punisher trade now because it is, even though it's it a She-Hulk story that they, they put it in a, for whatever reason, it's in a trade of the Punisher. So, and I've never gotten anybody being upset by that. They're just like, yes, you know, you cause know, he has pain. That's his whole thing is he's got a lot of pain. He's got a lot of pain. He's got a lot of lonesomeness and a lot of like sadness. And like, he needs to feel his feelings sometimes. Feel those feelings, Frankie. Uh, how'd that actually come together? How'd you, you first start, you know, writing for Marvel? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I was talking to folks about writing for Marvel for a long time before mm -hmm. it actually happened. I was contacted by Sarah Brunstad, who I'm now working with, and Wilson Moss. We kind of had a lot of conversations and a lot of conversations about She-Hulk specifically. And I ended up just getting to write this short thing for the War of the Realms, Um you know, I've been talking to Sarah for at least three or four years about creating a trans character for Marvel. And at first that was going to be an inhuman. And so I had some ideas about like how being an inhuman and being trans could be, could intersect. And then Sarah came back and was like, yeah, we're ready to do it. Let's do it. And uh, 
So we started seriously talking about creating Escapade and, you know, she made her debut in the, the Pride issue last June and she's just been running ever since. Yeah, super fun. We're, we'll talk more about her a little bit later. Uh, we are releasing this around the release of the new Women of Marvel one shot that just came out and you have a great introduction called More Team Ups, Please. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the thing I loved about all the stories in this year's Women of Marvel is that they are all about team-ups. You know, and I, I wrote one last year with uh, Squirrel Girl and Black Widow teaming up. I feel like I love it. Like, I love that these these one-shots get to kind of put characters together who don't usually team up, who aren't usually in the same comic together. And I just loved, like, getting to see some of the pairings and some of the groupings that we saw in this issue. And so when I wrote my introduction, I sort of started to think about, like, why it's so special when you get like a bunch of uh, female characters kind of teaming up. And like, I thought about like, you know, the slumber party issue of new mutants, which is like, you know, I've been having a lot of conversations about that issue lately. And then, you know, the, that famous issue of X-Men where they go to the mall and they meet Jubilee and like all hell breaks loose. And I'm a sucker for those kinds of girls night out, especially when it's just like, we're doing karaoke. Like I loved the karaoke story in the women of Marvel one shot. I thought that was so beautiful. And just, I love karaoke. So that was like an easy sell for me. That one was so fun. It was so fun. And yeah, I just feel like, you know, I love seeing women kind of team up and help each other and, and have fun together. And I love the frame story. The frame story is, is a blast. It's, it's also She-Hulk, which is, yes. great. I, you know, it's just such a, I love an anthology. I love the opportunities that it gives us as a publishing house to bring in new voices and new new creators telling stories that our core audiences don't always may not always know, but also spotlighting characters and like you say doing team up so that that's super fun. You know, you mentioned New Mutants 21, the Slumber Party story which is a classic. Everybody go to Marvel Unlimited, read that issue. It is delightful. Do you have other favorite female team up stories that come to mind? You mentioned, you know, the Uncanny X-Men I've really loved Exterminators. Like that comic has been just such a blast. And like the fact that it's just sort of like this wild girls night out, which turns just gets wilder and wilder where like they're fighting vampires. They're being chased around like a weird death maze. There's like, it just goes more and more over the top. I just, I'm here for that. I think it's just, that is an incredible comic. You know, I love Captain Britain Corps, which is just like all different versions of Captain Britain. And they're all like, one of them is a dinosaur. It's just like, of course. <laughs> Thinking of it in a, of a different way, though, if you were going to do a new Marvel team up, which was just like anything you want, not even tied to Spider-Man, if you could just do team ups, who are some of the dream teams you'd want to to write stories for? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to start off by saying I really enjoyed writing Black Widow and Squirrel Girl teaming up. I felt like that was a really fun pairing because like I was thinking of them as like opposites but they actually have a lot in common they've both seen a lot of stuff like Black Widow is more kind of like serious spy business and Squirrel Girl is frivolous just like hijinks but I feel like they both like to get into ridiculous situations and just roll with it that would be really fun to do um I'd love to see any version of Gwen Stacy like team up with pretty much any characters in the Marvel Universe I'd love to see Red She-Hulk teaming up with Gwen Stacy, maybe. That would be really fun. I don't even know if Red She-Hulk is still around or not. I think um, she got depowered. She got depowered. could be oh. wrong. Yeah, that can always be reversed. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and I, I love that Betty finally got to be a Hulk. I just love that. I think it's so great. Betty Ross, been through a lot. She's been through a lot. She got turned into glass at one point. <laughs> Like, I always bring that up and people are like, she what? I'm like, she got turned into glass. She was turned into a glass statue. And if anybody touched her, she would break. God. She has a tough life. Yes. You know, thinking about, obviously, this Women of Marvel book and the different stories, the team-ups, that idea, what, what do you hope readers take away from a title like this? You know, especially the anthologies. We have the wonderful Pride anthologies. We have all the various Marvel's voices, uh, different styles. But this Women of Marvel book, and, and particularly what y'all are trying to put together here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously the the number one thing with like something like Women of Marvel or the Pride issue is like representation and getting to see both creators and characters who don't get the spotlight as much. I also think that just getting to tell different kinds of stories, part of what I love about the latest Women of Marvel is that there's a lot of new voices in there who are relatively new to writing superhero comics. And like people are just crushing it. I feel like getting to see that the positivity of a lot of these stories, like the mm -hmm. fact that like in general across the board, you have these stories that are really positive and that are showing just heroism and 
camaraderie and like teamwork and like all the things that we love from all of our super heroic characters. You can have all of that stuff with like characters who haven't been in the spotlight previously, who haven't gotten to be like, you know, Spider-Man or whatever. And I just love that. I love that we get to see kind of the full range of what people are capable of. Totally. It's also, you know, you, you mentioned new voices and at least for here at Marvel, Melissa Flores, her story with Stacey Lee of we've got Kate Bishop and America Chavez. That one. Yes. That was so much fun. And it, the way that they were able to weave in current continuity, but make it accessible for everybody and to do it in a, a, you know, a relatively short page count and to bring in, you know, other set of characters. Like there's so many things that are required of creators in these stories to like hit. It's not an easy thing. You know, you don't have 22 pages to really like stretch your legs. You've got a short amount of time to get a couple of things across, do it in an entertaining way. And they crushed it. It was great. They really did. And I know how hard it is because I did that for, you know, the Asgard crossover and Women of Marvel. And then I actually was lucky enough to get like 20 pages for the Pride issue. So I'm still really grateful for that. But yeah, they totally crushed it. And like, I know how hard it is to tell a satisfying story in eight or 10 pages. It's really hard. Yeah. So you mentioned the Marvel's Voices Pride issue, which is a great way to segue into talking about Escapade, who you also mentioned earlier. You you created this awesome character, uh, this transgender mutant character uh, who you co-created, introduced in 2022's Marvel's Voices Pride issue. Um, Give us some details on who Sheila Sexton is. Sheila Sexton is a con artist and a thief uh, who uses like wacky gadgets to kind of steal from rich people and just anybody she feels deserves to be, to be robbed. And she teams up with her best friend, Morgan Red, who is, you know, a very, very dapper, non-binary trans mask who has a pet flying turtle named Hibbert. And Sheila has the power to kind of change circumstances with anybody. Like, if you're holding her at gunpoint, she can be holding you at gunpoint. If you just want a hot dog eating contest, she can make it so that she won the hot dog eating contest instead. She can take people's powers. She, like pretty much any attribute or aspect of someone's situation, she can borrow for like a few hours. But she has to get within like six or seven feet of you to do that. And it's uh, it's not super easy for her. It often goes wrong, which is, I think, really important. And I had a thing which I wanted to do in one of the New Mutants issues, which I it didn't work with the story we were telling. So I'm gonna I'm keeping it in my back pocket. But the, I have this thing. I'm just gonna tell it to you. So if it ever appears in a comic, people will have already heard about it. Whatever. Uh, but I had this thing in mind where basically they're trying to break into a facility, and Sheila's supposed to steal someone's security clearance by using her powers, and instead she accidentally steals that person's insecurities. And so she becomes really insecure about this person's like, you know, marriage and about like whether their dog likes them and like all this other stuff. And she's just like, Oh my God, does my dog like me? And they're like, Sheila, you don't even have a dog. And she's just like, ah, oh, shoot, I took the wrong thing. And I feel like that happens a lot with her. And anytime I can have her powers go wrong, I'm really happy because it feel like it's, that's part of the fun with her is that her powers don't always work properly. But yeah, it's not a get out of jail free card at all. But she's she's really like what I call a naive trickster. She likes to pull tricks and like, you know, pull the wool over people's eyes. But she's actually kind of naive herself. And she kind of is a little bit innocent and doesn't quite understand how the world works. She has a lot of like ideas about how the world works, but then they collide with reality. And she ends up learning kind of the hard way, usually. <laughs> Yeah. Her power set is so cool and so unique. Thinking about her powers, abilities, and and even the gadgets, had this just all sort of coalesced for you at once, or were you sort of noodling around on all these elements of Escapade for a while? Did you did you bring this fully formed to to your collaborators, or was it just something like like how did she form? Because she's got a lot of really cool elements to her. Yeah, it was definitely a process. And like the power set, the exchanging circumstances, the kind of switching circumstances with people, that was a thing that I'd been thinking about for years. Like that was a thing that I had had in my kind of back pocket as a superpower if I was ever going to do a superhero Mm -hmm. character. The kind of trickster, thief, con artist thing, that was just a thing that felt right to me when I was pitching her. And, you know, I'd just written a Squirrel Girl comic. So there's a little bit of Squirrel Girl in her kind of vibe, but she's a little bit more cynical than Squirrel Girl and a little bit more kind of angry, I think. 
Yeah, I just, I guess I felt like for her to be a trans person and a mutant in like this world, she was going to need to be a little spiky and also a little bit like slippery and able to kind of fool people. And that's, you know, able to kind of get the upper hand through like shenanigans Mm -hmm. Kind of because she's such an underdog. She's like a huge underdog, even with her superpowers. It was a team effort. I have to keep saying this. It was a huge team effort. Sarah contributed a lot of ideas to her. Anita Okoye, Sarah's assistant, came up with the name escapade, which we had this like hour long brainstorming session where we were just throwing names back and forth. And it's actually really hard to come up with a superhero name that hasn't already been used somewhere. And I feel like a lot of what works about her is her look, which I can take zero credit for the look of escapade i feel like that sarah suggested the jumpsuit which i i love the jumpsuit my original concept for escapade's costume was kind of more roller derby inspired and sarah mm-hmm. very gently was like yeah there's like a hundred characters who are roller derby inspired at this point yeah. that's not going to stand out at all and so sarah suggested the jumpsuit and then uh ted brandt and rose stein who were the artists on that pride issue really came up with her overall look and like the little cropped jacket that she has and the gloves and the everything. It's just, it's such a great look and the the frosted, the kind of dyed tips of her hair. And they also, Ted and Roe came up with uh, Morgan's look, which my one request for Morgan, who's kind of the nerdy best friend kind of, which is a very recognized type. I was like, Morgan cannot wear t-shirts ever. Like I do not want, I mean, I'm wearing a t-shirt, you're wearing a t-shirt, but I feel like, you know, the nerdy best friend wearing like an endless collection of like nerdy t-shirts is like kind of a trope. And I was like, yeah, Morgan cannot own a t-shirt. And then Ted, I think was, they were like, what if Morgan is a fancy boy? And they suggested this idea of Morgan having little bow ties and like vests and like sweater vests and suits and little Argyle socks. And that brought Morgan to life in a different way and like made me kind of see Morgan in a different way, which I loved. Yeah, I love a collaborative process. I was going to say the exact same thing and and actually getting that insight into all of this is is really wonderful. So thank you for that, Charlie Jane. One of the other cool things that I geeked out about and just for you was that in that issue, you also get a handbook page that's complete with the bio and the stats and the powers and the accessories. It's like man, that is so cool. That's like, you know, I I grew up reading bios, whether they were on trading cards or in the handbooks that we put out. And to see that for the new characters is wonderful. Yeah, that was incredibly cool. And I was so happy that we were able to do that. And we were able to use the, the sketches, like the design sketches that they'd done with that. Yeah, that was such a beautiful rollout. And I hope that everybody is able to hunt down a copy of that Pride issue if y'all haven't read it already. I know it's on Marvel Unlimited. Getting to do that story, like getting to just kind of live with these characters for 20 pages and kind of set up where they're going to be going, but also just kind of explore the journey that they've been on already and like kind of delve into like growing up a mutant and trans in America and like what that's like and how those two things intersect and then launch her into like a bunch of completely ridiculous adventures. Which speaking of last year, you helped wrap up the, uh, the previous new mutant series and now you're writing new mutants, lethal legion and number one just came out recently thinking about that and thinking about, you know, bringing escapade into this world of the Krakoa era and, and all the mutant kind and all kinds of stuff that's going on. And, and you mentioned earlier, you've been reading a lot of X-Men comics. How do you prepare for something like this? It was it just like, I'm going to read 900 X-Men comics from the last 60 years. <laughs> oh my God. There was a lot of research. It was like, I've been reading X-Men comics forever and I love the X-Men and I thought I knew a lot about the X-Men before I went into this. And then I realized very quickly that I didn't know a lot about the X-Men. I probably read hundreds of X-Men comics, maybe even a thousand X-Men comics before I started this gig. But there was a lot I didn't know. And there's a lot that I'm still kind of getting caught up on. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that I'm still getting up to speed on. Like the X-Men have always been kind of one of the weirder corners of the Marvel universe. And that's saying a lot, considering there's also Dr. Strange and the defenders and like Howard, the duck and like all this Steve Gerber madness from like the seventies and eighties. I had already read all the Grant Morrison new X-Men comics back in the day, because of course, like anything Grant Morrison does, you have to read. And I'd read like just a ton of other X-Men stuff, but I feel like the Krakoa era, they've really gotten to go big and weird in like really new ways, like terraforming Mars and building a whole holographic world inside Legion's brain and like 
having all this like cosmic kind of, I want to say almost cosmic horror about like these massive forces that are, that are coming for us, like dominions and technarchs and everything. I've been loving all the Krakoa issues, but I got to say when Sarah was like, do you want to be writing new mutants? And like, I was, I was a little intimidated. I was intimidated by how complicated the world is and how, how many huge storylines are in motion. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, for now, I'm just going to carve up my own little tiny corner over here and just kind of do my own thing. The longer I spend with it and the more time I spend reading all the different Krakoa issues, the more I kind of understand the bigger picture and the the huge tapestry of what's being told. And that's been really exciting to kind of see it coming together and like get to interact with the the other writers of the different X-Men titles. And they've been so generous about answering my questions and helping me to kind of figure out stuff. Like, especially with this mini series, there were things I wanted to do where I was like, okay, I want to like touch on aspects of like X-Men history, but also stuff that's happening now. And what's up with this character? And where, where did this character ever go? That was like, I read about like 20 years ago and like <laughs> just being very generous and helpful about like, you know, incredibly kind about helping me to kind of figure out the continuity and stuff, which is just, there's so much. It's just, it's ridiculous. There is so much. So thinking about the the series, you know, New Mutants, Lethal Legion, your own corner, but you're touching on different things. Can you give us a little bit of a tease for what's coming up in the next couple of issues? Also, who else is in the book on the squad? Because you have two of my favorite sort of like side Wolverine characters in there that I, I, I want to make sure we talk about. Just terrific the way you were writing them. Um, and also what they're up against, what they're going into. So give us give us some more juice on this book. Yeah, so if you've read the first issue of New Mutants Lethal Legion, you'll know that like Escapade kind of talked Cerebella into going on a heist to like help her kind of get over her trauma and you know her feelings about having been captured by the human again. And then Scout kind of invited herself along on the heist. And without getting into too many details, the heist is, in fact, a total disaster, as you'd expect. (laughs) And, you know, Count Nefaria, part of what I love about Count Nefaria is that he's kind of like at first you might think he's just a funny, just kind of a joke villain because he's so over the top and ridiculous. And because he's had so many setbacks in the past decade, like especially what happened to him in Amazing Spider-Man, the Sin Eater arc. But he's actually incredibly dangerous and incredibly scary, and they are not prepared for him at all. I don't know. He's 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 a lot to handle, and he's actually he's smarter than people give him credit for. He's very kind of insightful. He kind of causes a lot of trouble for these characters next issue and then the next few issues. And basically, Daddy Moonstar and Karma and and Galera comes along for the ride. They have to kind of step in and try to. F- clean up the mess that Escapade and the others have created. It gets bigger and sillier and we kind of bring in something from the the AXE crossover that I've been able to kind of like a, a little piece of leftover stuff from that that I've been able to use. And then meanwhile, Morgan and, and uh, Wolfsbane kind of get to know that creature in the sewers a lot better. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like hijinks with that. And it kind of plays into more of their debate about like Krakoa and like whether mutants should just try to like live quietly or whether they should fight for independence and freedom, which is kind of the debate they were having in issue one. We kind of see more of that. And like the stuff that they find down there in the sewers kind of plays into that argument. Part of what you start to kind of realize over the next couple of issues, I think more is that really escapade should have just like kept sitting with, with Cerebella and being like, yes, I'm here for you. And shouldn't have been like, let's go off and do this ridiculous heist. Cause that's escapades way of dealing with things. That's not Cerebella's way of dealing mm-hmm. with things. And like rule number one of helping somebody who's going through a rough time is you don't be like, well, this is what cheers me up. So we're going to do this because it might not actually work for the other person. Uh, one of the things I like about escapade is that like, she doesn't make very good decisions. She's always getting into kind of trouble and like that makes for good stories. You want to see how she can still be endearing, which she is and how she can get through all the nonsense that she gets into, which, you know, she hopefully will, but seeing all the drama, seeing all the action, seeing some funny moments, that's what makes for good comics, good stories. So hooray. Yay. I love characters who screw up. I feel like like so much of our media lately is about competence and we're like we root for characters because they're ridiculously competent. But I always feel like it's the other way around. If a character really screws up, then I'm like, okay, I'm here for you because I identify with that. And because I'm like, now I have to see how you get out of this situation you created through your own kind of bad 
choices. And like Escapade makes some really bad choices in the next issue, I've got to say. Some terrible, terrible choices. Can't wait. I'm sure we'll be talking about that uh, in future episodes of the various shows. But aside from New Mutants Lethal Legion, maybe even just outside of Marvel, what other projects you got going on that we can tell our listeners all about? Yeah, uh, well, I wrote a young adult trilogy called the Unstoppable Trilogy, and it's a space opera. It's very Guardians of the Galaxy influenced, actually. It's got a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy in there, a lot of Star Wars, and it's about a teenage girl who's living on Earth, but she's secretly the clone of an alien superhero, and the time has come for her to kind of return to the stars and remember her past life. But that all goes horribly wrong because that's how stories work. And uh, (laughs) so the third book of the trilogy comes out uh, April 11th, and it's called Promises Stronger Than Darkness. Very, very cool. Charlie Jane, always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, Keep up the great work. That's all. Thank you so much. It's always lovely to talk with you, Ryan. Thanks, Charlie. Go pick up Women of Marvel number one. This awesome one shot is available wherever you get your comics. Uh, And of course, check out New Mutants Lethal Legion. Also wherever you get your comics. Yes, indeed. Now, next week, we're going to have on Tochian Yabuchi, who is writer of uh, Captain America comics, including the upcoming Captain America Cold War event that's going on just a couple weeks. We're kicking that off. But... We've been talking about convention season starting this week with Megacon and C2E2. So with that in mind, what are your favorite things to do at a convention? Do you like to get exclusives? Do you go cosplay? Do you like to go to panels? Do you buy like all kinds of random stuff? Do you hunt for old comics? Do you want to eat really bad convention center food? What is it for you? Lorraine, when you go to a convention, Mm. what do you what do you want to do? Friendship is probably my number one, to be completely honest. I'm just like, who can I see that I know? Um, and then I like to walk with Ryan and buy stuff we don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to do with Ryan. He's so, so good at it. I'm a good enabler. The last con we went to together, I bought so many pins when I walked around with Ryan. <laughs> I was just like, I don't need 50 pins, but I came home with them. Yep. Well, they're just going to sit in this bag or on this pin board for the rest of my life. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah buying random stuff is a good one. Yeah. I, seeing people is awesome. I like being in a panel room, you know, experiencing stories and that community feeling. I think that is is something that yeah. it, it's really neat to do, especially, you know, where we're at this point of this pandemic. But like we're at this point and like getting to be in rooms with with people and, and share that feeling about something that we all love that's pretty damn cool it is cool which is why you can tweet us your answers using hashtag this week in marvel email them to twin podcast at marvel.com or send a message to our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel and of course make sure to tell us if it's okay to read on this show and with that it's time for this weekend messages huh? massages what no messages <laughs> And our question of the week last week was, who is your favorite woman of Marvel? Because we were celebrating Women's History Month. So first up, we've got Karis Pollard, who says, how can you pick one favorite woman of Marvel? I think, though, I'd have to pick Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel and their creators as wonderful, complex, inspirational characters. Oh, I like that the creators got included. All right, next up we got Frozone at Voiden, who said, I'm going with Polaris and Scarlet Witch, all because they're stepsisters and interesting characters. Polaris is easily becoming my favorite character. I can relate to her. I drink a lot of decaf. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Andrew Nickerson at Andrew Nickers 19 said, Carol Danvers and Agent Peggy Carter are my top picks, both for their strength and their willingness to book the system. Heck yeah. Yeah. Military ladies. Let's do it. Uh, Andrew and anybody else out there, if you're a Peggy Carter fan or a fan of uh, Sharon Carter as well, make sure you're reading the Captain America books right now. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty uh, and then into Captain America Cold War because there's some Carter stuff happening. Yeah, good call. All right, next up, we got Eve at 616 Agent 13, who said, Sharon Carter, speaking of, Mm -hmm. uh, I adore her loyalty, toughness without losing compassion, and how she always is willing to sacrifice to help protect and save others. I'm going to give a little spoiler for Captain America Sentinel Liberty that comes out next week. There's a barbecue. 
And there's a great little drawing of her and Nick Fury working at the barbecue that I, don't, I won't say anything more, but it's really funny. All right. At Mental Monarch says, Betsy Braddock, a warrior with a strong sense of honor and some of the coolest powers in all of Marvel. Yeah, she's a uh, Captain Britain, leader of the Captain Britain Corps, too. So very cool. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got Joe Maximoff at Joe Mark underscore Magbanua, who said, It's without a doubt the Scarlet Witch herself, Wanda Maximoff. She taught me how there is strength in weakness, love in grief, and power in being real. She's a mother. She's a queen. All accurate. And she's got a crown to prove it. Mm -hmm. You try to take it. You can't. Yeah. All right, we got two emails from Carol. The first one is that I am giving a diamond medal to the Avengers. I feel like everyone has their team and the Avengers are mine. They were the first team I knew about. And before getting into the MCU, I grew up with the Avengers animated shows like Avengers Assemble. Before I knew the X-Men, the Defenders, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I knew the Avengers. No matter who's on the team, I have strong loyalty to it. And for this reason, I award the Avengers a... A diamond medal for their 60 incredible years. Here's to 60 more. That was an answer from one of our previous questions of the week, Carol. So thank you for that. And then Carol emailed us again saying, My favorite woman of Marvel has to be Jane Foster. She's my role model in life, and she reminds me to be strong even when things get tough. I first encountered her in the MCU, but fell in love with her character in the comics. From holding the title of Mighty Thor to becoming a Valkyrie, I have walked with her every step of the way. Of course, I do also have some honorable mentions. Shout out to my girls Felicia Hardy, Carol Danvers, and Peggy Carter. Higher, further, faster, baby. Love it. So much love for Peggy Carter. That brings my heart some joy. All right, we got an email here from the Gee Fam who said, Dear Twim Fam, when I shared the question of the week with the kids, Nolan proceeded to list Gwenpool, Nico, Carolina, Natasha, Yelena, Old Lace, Girl Dinos Count, Kamala, and Kate Bishop. Fiona's answer is succinct. Yelena Belova, the White Widow. My answer is twofold. My favorite non-powered woman is Alicia Grimm. She is the heart of the Fantastic Four, and Ben would not have as much personal growth without her support. My favorite powered woman is Carol Danvers. Watching her transformation from Ms. to Captain has been beautiful growth for me as well. Being torn between two worlds, a pull to stay home with Rhodey, and a pull to return to the star speaks to me as a mom who works being pulled in both directions and wanting to do it all and be it all. Yours, Gee Fam. I love all of these answers from all three. Also, yeah, you can't leave out the girl dinosaurs, obviously. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nolan. We've got an email here from Alex who said, My favorite would be Ms. Marvel. Not just because of her superpowers, but because she herself is a fan of other heroes. Most of all, Captain Marvel. We love a girl for the girls, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, we've got an email in here from Antonio who said, Way to ask an impossible question. Even if I could come up with a favorite woman of Marvel, I'm sure my answer would just change by next week. Instead, let's give a shout out to the awesome women who support our female heroes and who might not get as much attention. Where would Squirrel Girl be without Nancy Whitehead? Or Ms. Marvel without Mike and Nakia? And I'm absolutely loving Casey in the Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur show. Also this week, my answer is Cassie Lang or Gwen Stacy. See, impossible question. Thanks, Antonio. All great ones. And I just love that you shine a light on um, some of the unsung heroes. Truly, truly great. And Joe Hoffman said, my favorite woman in Marvel, besides you, Lorraine, is Kelly Sue DeConnick. I really admire how she modernized Carol Danvers by making her into a military lady with a great heart and a tremendous sense of duty called Captain Marvel. I also love Kelly Sue's genius in using her membership in the KISS Army as inspiration to form a group of ardent supporters for Captain Marvel in the Carol Corps. And Joe says, I really love KISS too. And I additionally admire Kelly Sue for being a proud wife and mother, as well as being one of the greatest comic book writers of all time. We also got an email in here from Pristine Dream, which great name. Pristine Dream says, I have loved listening to the podcast. It helps me to learn things about the Marvel Universe, such as the Marvel's Midnight Suns game and series. Some of my favorite women in the comics are Singularity, Captain Universe, and Jane Foster. Singularity for being unique and mysterious, Captain Universe for her unique symbiote-like self, her being a light deity, basically, especially with X-23, and finally, the brilliant Jane Foster showing you can both be a strong Thor and a brilliant woman. 
All right, we got a bunch of answers coming in from Facebook. Carly says, my favorite woman of Marvel would be She-Hulk. She's funny, an awesome lawyer, but not afraid of her strong emotions, and I love her relationship with her cousin Bruce. Ms. Marvel, because Kamala is a huge Marvel fangirl who, like me, writes fan fiction. Only hers is about Carol, while mine involves a certain fur boy, then getting to be a superheroine herself. Thank you for that, Carly. Wanted to hear from Rachel, who said, I always love listening to your show. For the question of the week, the Scarlet Witch, a.k.a. Wanda Maximoff, is my favorite woman of Marvel. There's so much depth to her character, so much has happened to her, and we keep seeing new ways in which she deals with grief. I resonate with her introversion, caring personality, and willingness to fight for what she thinks is right. She shows us that it is never too late to learn from your mistakes. Also, all that woman power. She was also my very first cosplay. I also just bought the Winter Soldier Cold Front and just started reading it, so the interview this week was very fitting. Thanks for bringing all of the Marvel updates to us every week. Awesome, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed that interview from last week as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, wrapping us up this week is Raphael over on Facebook, who answered that the first ex-person that influenced them and their favorite growing up was Nightcrawler because of his Catholic faith and challenges he faced with his faith. Now his favorite female superhero would be Jean Grey. Just a badass and a great character in the comics. Thank you, Raphael. So many great answers. Wow, we did it. We sure did. And that is it for us this week. This episode of This Week of Marvel is produced by Cara McGurk-Allison, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to the women of Marvel, whether they are flying through the Marvel Universe or just the super ladies in your life. Shout out to the women of Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.